I was supposed to tell this story about how Kane had this girlfriend that he killed in a car crash. And it was just insane. And it ends up, I'm at a funeral home with a dummy in a coffin. Oh, my God. With Kane's mask on, pretending I'm Kane. I'm on top of the coffin having mock sex with this mannequin. Oh, my God, no. And, oh, and, Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. And, and Vince is yelling at me. God damn it, do it harder, make more noise and stuff. It's got to be over the top. I really did. I screwed your brains out. Yeah. We start off on a sad note because it looks like Scott Hall is not going to be with us much longer. His family, uh, I think, is preparing for the worst. And there are various reports about his health uh, in specifics, but it doesn't look like any of it's going to be good. Um, Scott Hall has been a revolutionary, really, figure in professional wrestling for nigh on 30 years. Uh, plus, going back to those days in the AWA when he was kind of a Magnum TA ripoff, if you will, uh, worked around the country. I think he even came to Crockett for a cup of coffee. Then, of course, reinventing himself in the WWE as Razor Ramon getting over there, then famously bolting for World Championship Wrestling, where he wrestled under his own name. And I think. Pretty much everybody knows the story from there. Scott Hall, uh, tremendous career, great comeback and victory really over addiction and alcoholism. Unfortunately, in my head now that I'm replaying the scenes and the, the sounds from Conrad's podcast with Bruce where Scott Hall was on Anabuse for that famous angle with um, Stone Cold Steve Austin, who yeah. while Scott Hall was on Anabuse, which makes you sick when you are exposed to alcohol, Stone Cold spilled beer all over him for a wacky segment that drew just a shit ton of money for World Wrestling Entertainment. And Scott Hall got sick, sick on that. Conrad Thompson excoriating Bruce Pritchard, but he continues to defend it. So that's that's what's going through my head right now. But that's not the measure of the man. And um, some thoughts about Scott Hall here, Brian. I, uh, I, I think I liked him out of that whole NWO bunch probably the best. Um, I, I I think my my issues with him were pretty much anybody else's issues with him were basically his issues and and you know and 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 everybody has issues so you can't really hold that against him right at, you know in the in the scheme of things so you know and I remember I barely remember seeing some of his stuff <clears throat> like from the AWA days and all maybe just clips here and there maybe more or less and and i'm like you know that dude that is uh i can see why that dude is pretty popular and then i don't know i, I just kind of I, I i liked him as razor ramon i thought he was a he was i don't know probably perfect for that character really i mean for any you know you can call it uh i don't know you can borderline call it a racist thing i don't know I, you they know, were going for it that way. they were going for scarface and i think the story right. is that vince mcmahon was just oblivious uh and didn't really know what scarface was probably not that, that makes so much sense so yeah you're, you're that, that probably is true uh but i never understood the whole you know why is he trying to be cuban thing when he's obviously not cuban so mm. or poor you know whatever he was going for you know um, latino but but anyway uh besides that I, I i i like scott hall and and i and i feel bad for him and i've always felt bad for him and i think he's i don't know he's maybe been his own worst enemy at times uh, since then um but when you're addicted to, to stuff and have issues with stuff um that happens and mm -hmm. and and you, you got to cut these guys some slack and, and if you go back and look at a lot of these um i don't know a lot a lot of a lot of his a lot of his pals a lot of his um peers if you will mm -hmm. and, and some of the tweets they've had there a lot of people like him man a lot of people love scott hall i mean it's not like he's gone around no you know, and, and de demean people all his life and, and been like a JBL or some asshole, you know, he's, exactly. just, he's been a, he's been a, you know, a pretty likable guy, despite the, the, the issues that, that, that maybe sometimes make him seem like an asshole, you know? Uh, so I think people see through that and that's good. So I, I don't know what's going to come of this man, but like I said, it doesn't look good. And, and I think everybody's, 
family included sounds like his family included are, are pretty much preparing for the worst and and then you know what i don't know if you call it irony or I don't know. It just sucks all the way around. But just, I was just thinking, you know, if he does end up passing away from this, from like a a blood clot from a hip replacement, after all the bullshit he's done, and he's going to end up passing away from some bullshit like this. I mean, that's just, I don't know. I don't know if you could say it's not fair, but I don't know. It's just kind of weird. But God bless you, Scott Hall. Yeah, it certainly is a a blow for the family. According to PW Torch, the 63-year-old did suffer three heart attacks and a loose blood clot suffered after breaking his hip last week and undergoing replacement surgery. He is placed on life support at Wellstar Kennestone Hospital. That's in Marietta, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta. Uh, rep for Hall and World Wrestling Entertainment did not immediately respond to a request for comment. The Yahoo story says this, though he never became world champion in wrestling. Hall was nonetheless one of the biggest wrestling stars of the 90s, first under the name Razor Ramon in WWF, where he became four-time Intercontinental Champion and won a famous ladder match. That ladder match at WrestleMania 10 with Shawn Michaels, I, I think it kind of is getting a little short shrift as time goes on, um, just because of some of the other stuff that happened during that. I think that is the same WrestleMania where Stone Cold and Bret Hart did the double turn, which is just a classic and one of the best matches really in the company's history. Yeah. Um, so fewer and fewer people do talk about that one although i still think it is recognized among most fans as being one of the best matches in um wwe history for sure in the company's history um again that sean michaels and and razor ramon doing a tremendous job on that one then in 1996 hall went to wcw under his real life name found a, as became a founding member of wrestling's most infamous faction the new world order Alongside fellow stars Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, Hall, and NWA became uh, iconic villains with Hall becoming a six-time WCW Tag Team Champion alongside Nash. After retiring in 2010, Hall was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2014 and again as a member of the NWO just uh, two years ago. But during the 2000s, Hall's health quickly deteriorated as years of heavy drug abuse during his career took their toll, having a defibrillator and pacemaker implanted in his chest in 2010 while being diagnosed with epilepsy. His addiction problems have been connected to multiple arrests for disorderly conduct, assault, and sexual misconduct. He was one of several wrestlers accused of sexually harassing two flight attendants on that WWF chartered flight in 2002, an incident that regained attention in the wrestling community after it became the subject of an episode of Dark Side of the Ring last September. so I guess Nate kind of took the blow for that more than the other guys on the plane, right? Yeah. Um, well, see, that, that that was maybe a case of some people may have some issues with him. Right. Uh, you, you know, and that, that, that was one of the things I was referring to. I mean, there's no really excuse for that. I, I'm not I'm not saying but I think the 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 him his addiction had a lot to do with it. So um, I, again, I'm not excusing him, but I I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't want to say I'm letting him slide because it sounds like I'm excusing him. But you know what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. You want to like the guy. I don't think there was any malcontent there. I just, I just think the drugs kind of took him over at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Scott Hall, not on drugs, was a very different person from the guy who's on drugs, which is true of a lot I of think people. So. Um, but then there are just some people who are just assholes, whether on drugs or not. I mean, I think you've probably oh, met some of those people. Of <laughs> I think that's that's one of those things. Uh, you may have met some people who got sober and you were like, yeah, I kind of liked it better when you were on drugs. I got to be honest with you. I kind of liked it better when you were drinking. Um, but Scott, it's got to be considered one of the best guys never to win a world championship, right? Yeah. Uh, when you said that earlier, I, I, I just kind of hit me. I'm like, wow, you know, I guess he never did. I, I, I knew he didn't, but I just never, I guess, hit me like that. That Wow. He probably deserved at least a little bit of a run. Don't you think? Well, looking and, back. Uh, and the other one that comes to mind, obviously, is Roddy Piper. There's a guy that never needed the belt. Scott Hall never needed the belt. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There's various people over the years who would talk about what a great mind for the business that Scott Hall had. And, of course, one of the great examples of that is that he's the one who told uh, Sting, hey, have you seen this Crow movie? You might want to do something with that. And uh, that was that was one of the great things. When he makes his debut – in the Charlotte Coliseum, the old Charlotte Coliseum, when he comes into world championship wrestling, remember the Larry Zabisco note on that, because they were just going to have him come down the ramp and they were like, no, 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 no. He's, he's coming through the crowd. 
because we don't know he's coming. And, and that was Larry Zabisco's mind telling Scott Hall and telling the producers, we just have him come through the crowd yeah, wearing his yeah, uh, yeah. semi version of the Canadian tuxedo. He had the denim vest, he had the denim pants on, and he interrupts the match. And it's on some of the biggest business, some of the biggest years of business in the entire wrestling industry, wrestling business were sparked by um by that invasion angle and he was a huge part of that yeah absolutely and you know i don't i don't know man if if you can argue it either way i don't know how you could really argue it one way or the other but you could argue it either way that his he, he gained his his popularity from both Razor Ramon and as a member of the NWO. I don't think one outweighed the other. I think both were kind of equal. Yeah, I, the the second one doesn't happen without the first, but then, like, I think it's the second one was more popular, and he made it well, so that yeah. he made go. it okay. he made it so that they could, you know, they, when, when Hulk Hogan finally decided to come in and be a bad guy, that turbocharged the entire promotion and the whole business, and he and, you know, Kevin Nash made made that cool. He made all of that cool, mm-hmm. um, and it later became uncool. And I think that's been well documented as to how 567 people were then invited into the NWO and all that stuff. But um, those were some heady times, man. You know, people have been trying for 25 years to recapture uh, that magic that happened back during that era in both companies, but also what WCW and what the NWO provided. Um, well, you're see, seeing, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm, I'm, well, you're seeing a generation of people today, even some of these young guys that are in all elite wrestling now with the, you know, the two sweet stuff, those guys were obviously inspired by that particular era. And Scott Hall was a big part of that. Yeah. Oh, oh absolutely. Definitely. That the, These guys are influenced by that era and, it's the era that that won't go away if, if you want to know the truth and and, and i guess it's a good way in, in a it is in a good way i guess eh maybe but um <laughs> sometimes sometimes it gets annoying but but you got to give it its due and 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 we both were there for sure i mean with it, with everybody else watching it but i think we're willing to let it be part of the past more than a lot of people but we definitely like to talk about it and that sort of thing. And, and we'll definitely give people their due like Scott Hall for heaven's sakes. I mean, I, I just, I just, um, I don't know. I, I just hope he pulls through, man. I don't want to seem like we do this about once a month with somebody. Yeah. yeah. And I'm glad that he was able to find his health in the past several years and was able to get with Dallas page who is, just a relentlessly positive influence on so many of these guys, including Jake Roberts. So I'm glad that he was able and his family was able to see him clean up and the speech that he made, uh, even as they truncated those speeches to the hall of fame, when he was inducted, remember he said the last, I remember the last thing that he said on that speech and that's a tribute to him and how powerful he is. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do. That yeah. was the that was the last part of his induction into his individual induction into World Wrestling Entertainment. So, uh, hopefully, Scott Hall will kick out. But I know everyone is preparing for the worst. So it's it's been an interesting it's been an interesting time. And again, very sad for his family and so forth. Um, good news coming from the front of Big E, who broke his neck on national television on Friday during SmackDown. He won't be a part of WrestleMania, but the good news is there is no surgery required. And I think the case is probably going to be made that if he hadn't been as strong and as healthy as he had, then probably wouldn't be in as good shape as he is right now. Right, Brian? Oh, for sure. Uh, But didn't they also say that although he wouldn't need surgery, that that one cervical uh, disc or whatever it's called in in, in the neck that that, that did get injured or whatever, that that could be susceptible to kind of like edge or, 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 uh, Kurt angle in a way, right. Minus the surgeries. It's just, he, he, I don't know. It just might not be a good idea for him to wrestle if he's not going to have surgery because it, like I said, it's not, it doesn't heal back correctly or something. I may have read that wrong, but I don't know. Um, Mike Johnson, a pro wrestling insider reporting that Big E was taken to a local hospital in Birmingham. By the, you heard that you saw some of the videos and he's been, Big E has been oh, yeah. tremendous. And he said, if you're going to get your neck broken, make sure you do it in Birmingham, <laughs> which was really, Got it. un- there are just some people in life that are so relentlessly positive. 
And I admire them so much for it, even in the midst of having your neck broken. And really, let's be honest. I mean, it's part of it's part of having his dream shattered. He was going to be a part of WrestleMania one way or the other. I don't know if he how in the middle of the card, but if you're part of WrestleMania, you're part of WrestleMania, right? Right. That's worse. Any anyone who's ever in the business, that's what you're trying to do. Is you're trying to be part of that massive show in front of a hundred and some odd thousand people in Dallas, millions of people around the world, and there are people who have achieved a lot in this business and have gone through a lot and slept in their car and starved and done all of those things. And they've never gotten to that position. Here he is through his hard work. He's been able to achieve that. And, um, you know, he's on on the edge of doing it. He's done it before. He's been a part of WrestleMania. Even when they made him host it, which was still perplexing with his his, his bandmates there. Uh, yeah. That was when the now, Hardy Boys came back. Yes, that's correct. That was at the Royal Rumble or the the Rumble at, the, at WrestleMania. And now yeah. he's on the threshold of being a part of WrestleMania, and unfortunately – because of this injury, he's not going to, but he's reminding us, you know, through his positivity that there's some good stuff that's coming out of this and it's not the end of the world. And at least he doesn't have to have surgery and it looks like perhaps he'll be back. So that's good. Yeah, I, I am thankful for that. But um, can we all agree on this? And and maybe it's just me, but hopefully we can all agree. Can, can we get rid of this belly to back suplex move? Look, at least at least put it on, put it up in the attic for a little while, you know, kind of like they did with the curb stomp. Just get it rid of it for a little bit because I've seen too many of these shits over the last, I don't know, several months, maybe last year even. And this was definitely the worst one that I can remember. Others have just been very, very freaking scary looking, but can we get rid of this move at least for a little while? It just seems it's in the past month or so that it's really come up a lot. When, when Rick box looked like he nearly became a quadriplegic over in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There and you then, go. There's one. And then we saw, of course, Chris Jericho look taking some pretty yeah. dangerous moves as well. Yeah, it's I'm not, not just sure. WWE. I'm talking about across the board. Yeah. Well, and a lot of these guys. I mean, that's that's that is considered to be kind of a Japanese style. The way that that move is taken, because the Japanese style is you would kind of do that, and it would look like it was, you know, way worse than it was. But I, I'm with you. I wouldn't be terribly upset. You, and I don't. I don't think the product would be hurt by never seeing that sort of thing again. Ever. I just don't, man. And I think it gets overused for one thing. And the more you use it, the chances are at some point, somebody is going to get fucking hurt. Kind of like he did. And it's just, I mean, you take some guy like, I don't know, like a Ridge Hall in, 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 in terms of like his body style and how big he is and lifting up big ass big E, you know, and, and trying to get him over enough to land where he's supposed to land. That just looks like st- it's just too much, man. And, and I, I just, there's the, the probability of getting hurt on that move is just tremendous to me. I mean, just by watching what we've seen over the last, you know, like I said, last several months or so. So I just, I, I, I just wish they would learn these lessons before some shit like this happens, man. I was, and I was listening to one of Conrad's podcasts and I can't remember which one of the 167 there were, I think it was either ski bones or, Jeff Jarrett's, he was like, he went to a show recently and it looked like somebody was legitimately hurt. And he's like, oh, that's not, no, I'm, and he left. He's done, that made him so uncomfortable and so unhappy that he was like, oh, I'm taking off. I can't, I can't watch this. I'm, I'm not into snuff films, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I yeah. I, I just, I don't know, man. And, and, and it's just, you know, we could, we, we could really, talk about some more of those moves that, that they use all the time that I think eventually somebody's going to get hurt. Like, uh, like that move that I thought that somebody did get hurt, but they decided to keep doing it. Is that one when they lift them up, like they're facing the other, their opponent and they lift them up and they push them off in, in the air into the mm-hmm. corner and the turnbuckles and they, and you, you're, you're just kind of blind, man. I don't know how you can control. Is the that the, uh, that's the thing that they called snake eyes when Seth Rollins did it. The one that hurt sting. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. The, the bu- that's it. The, I knew it hurt somebody. That's who it was. Sting. Yeah. It's a buckle bomb yeah. or a snake eyes. Buckle I think bomb. is what they. Yeah, Something. Yeah. Buckle bomb sounds. Yeah. It may be snake eyes. I know. Too, buckle bomb sounds familiar. We're gonna sound like complete old timers on this, but I don't see the point of that one. I don't think all of these moves on the apron. I think are just stupid. Um, oh my god! Not even mentioning those. Good lord. And that's that's now, where now, I see those moves have just come along in the last maybe year or so. You know that they've kind of overuse them almost during matches almost every week somebody's out there doing some power bomb or or 
I don't know, something on the the damn turnbuckle. I'm not turnbuckle on the on the apron. Yeah, it seems like they go through a series where in the industry they the workers do just a series of just like very dangerous things. And for a while it just seems like they do that shit. And I don't know why that happens. I do know that I don't know if it comes from the indies upwards or if the people on the indies start seeing that shit on television and then they start doing it. But then you have you know, 23-year-old human beings that work as welders during the week taking buckle bombs on the weekends and they have zero health insurance. They make $25,000 a year and they are risking their health and their lives. So it's, I, I don't find any of that stuff to be conducive. And again, I'm, I, I'm, you can call me grandpa. You, you can call me stuck in 1985. I don't give a shit. The, the, I, this is where I do side with Jim Cornette is you do riskier and riskier shit that does not get things over that does not increase business but it puts your life and your livelihood at risk and i just don't see the point of any of that stuff i don't either and and like, like for instance that belly to back suplex thing man if they never did that again and and let, let's say that that was just never even an issue for anything they just kind of never nobody ever did that anymore I, it would take me forever to even figure out that, Hey, I don't think they do that anymore. You know, I, it's not like it's something that I would miss. I don't think anybody would miss it if they just completely got rid of it. There's so many other things you can do in wrestling for God's sakes. I mean, it's just why do something like that? Because I, I don't know. Well, well also I will say this, and I don't know if this is a coincidence or not too, but I don't know if you saw this, that, that, that Ridge Holland is kind of like, I don't know, maybe becoming, getting kind of a Nia Jax reputation because he apparently did some craziness to like that to, to Gargano too back down in NXT. So I, I don't know if he's like one of those people or like I said, just a coincidental kind of thing here. It's I don't amazing. know much about, I don't know enough about him. Um, I don't know. I, I, that whole situation is going to have to be rectified in some way, shape, or form. I, I, and I don't know exactly. When, when you get the reputation of being a guy that hurts people, when you get the, the Nia Jax rep, and let's be honest, I mean, that's kind of what killed Mr. Kennedy in WWE is he hurt the wrong guy. <laughs> it's just like, it's one thing to yeah. hurt. Like, you, when, you, when you start hurting Randy Orton, when Randy Orton gets pissed off at you, that's you, you're done, and that's the end of it. Uh, and Especially I don't know back when in, in his apex days, man. I mean, it was just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if, if, I don't know if in particular that is something that, um, I don't know if that's something that, that they, that, that he wants to have as a reputation or if they're going to do anything about it. But yeah, I, if you start hurting people like that, but I, I again, you, you it, it takes it from the leaders. Uh, in the industry. I know that when, when Seth Rollins was doing the snake eyes and that became seen as like something that could really hurt people. Um, and also the curb stomp, they took this curb stomp away from Seth for a while. I think they're getting back into it now, but I don't think anybody actually got hurt on that one. I think that was, um, yeah, uh, that was a precautionary kind of situation. Precautionary kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. But do you see, I mean, do you see Tony Khan coming up to somebody and going, Oh yeah, you shouldn't do that. I mean, that's 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 the difficult part. Is that's when, when the inmates run the asylum, it's going to be the the Bucks or Kenny Omega or whoever saying, yeah. "We don't need you to do that." That and then the Bucks are out there doing the most dangerous shit of all, anyway. Right. Uh, well, I, I don't. I don't know. I, I mean, you can. That's a hard thing to say. I mean, it's right. just one of those things. You can argue who again. You can argue that a million of these moves are, are, are potentially dangerous, you know, or, or, or potentially life threatening or career threatening kind of moves. If you want to look at it in a certain way. So, I mean, that's the way some of these guys would come back at you. If you, if you wanted to try to ban some of these moves and, and stuff, but, but I mean, you really got to look at, I just don't see how these guys just can't look at it. Logistic. I mean, the ones that, that don't want to not, not get rid of the the move the belt say the belly to back super why wouldn't they want to do that is it is it is it that important to them to that they have to keep it or do they just don't like people telling them what to do i mean i don't i don't get that i don't know it was a it was a funny story because i'm listening to the wrestling weekly show with les thatcher on uh, it's one of the wrestling observer podcasts and he said one of his guys one of the guys um 
it's kind of a name you would recognize, but it eludes me now. But he's in the Knoxville area. He's booking a show. The guy was booking an indie show, and he's had a lot of people coming in, and they told the guys, we don't want you doing this high-flying shit or bleeding or crazy shit. We actually want you guys to wrestle. And a bunch of the guys, the indie guys said, no, we're not. We're not doing Because, <laughs> well, you know, again, it's all about getting your shit in, right? That's it's all about it's all about I got to get my shit in. And if I can't get my shit in, I can't work. And if you're taking your shit away from me, then I can't get over. Right. Well, this goes back to what I was saying, that you can argue that a million of these moves are potentially dangerous. And if you take them all away, then we're back to Greco-Roman wrestling. You know, I mean, it's just <laughs> what rest you, holds it, and, 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 and nobody. Right. I'm not saying I don't want a 20 minute, you know, rest hold with Wahoo McDaniel laying all over somebody in the middle of the ring for 10 minutes. But <laughs> no, me neither. But, but Wahoo there's got to be a happy medium, man. There's got to be a happy medium. Well, there has to be at some point in time. But again, you got to you got to have a, a much bigger you know, 30,000 foot view of the industry, what you do. And at least, at least Mick Foley had this going on. And at least there was that awakening, which really happened when they showed him the shit from his getting his head bashed in with a chair by the rock and beyond the mat. When he's actually watching that shit with his wife, you do the crazy shit early in your career. And then you coast on the gimmick. You do comedy and shit like that, right? You pull the sock out and all that other stuff. And that's Mick made a good living for many years, just being the funny guy who pulled the sock out after he was, after he had taken crazy bumps and had his ear ripped off and all that other shit. The whole dude love thing. Yes. All yes. That that's what you do. And, and even stone cold to an extent, he coasted for a couple of years playing the guitar and singing Jimmy crack corn and all that other stuff before he finally had to say sayonara. And now of course he's coming back and doing semi comedy with Kevin Owens. <laughs> At WrestleMania. I guess whatever you want to call it, closest enough Look, to anything. I don't. I, guess. I don't care what you say, and God bless him for you know getting a massive payday. I'm sure they're going to back the Brinks truck up, and he's going to have gold coins like Scrooge McDuck to swim in, in his bedroom. But I do. I, I'm I'm crazy enough to think that this does when you have and you are allowed a graceful exit from this business, which nobody gracefully exits from ever. And Stone Cold had it, and he won two, three by the biggest star in the business at the time, The Rock, who went on to become the biggest star in entertainment after that. You had that, right? Right. And you went away. And now you're going to come back and you're going to do this for the glory of Texas or for the pride of the great state of Texas. Whatever the fuck he's doing, right? I don't right. understand that. Well, okay. All right. Well, here's what I don't understand why you think this, why, okay. why you have this, why, why you don't have the, why you have this yes. attitude toward this. Tell me why I'm wrong. It, okay. Well, I'm not telling you wrong. I just, maybe I just don't understand something. I, I don't, because he has come back since his, his, uh, his retirement, I guess. And, and spotty little, you know, he refereed that, he, he refereed that horrible match in WrestleMania 20 with Brock and with Goldberg, and the only reason he okay. did that is because everybody was shitting all over them, and they needed him to stun everybody in order to to get okay. anything over. And that 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 was that. Okay, well, so he's already it's already been the the, the damage has been done then. But he's not if he's not you look at it. He's not really participating in a match. He wasn't then. No. He was kind of helping people out because though everybody that was one of the great revenge of the internet moments when everybody knew that Brock was leaving and everybody hated Goldberg anyway. And they both, knew it was their last match and they shit right. on both of them and the match right. sucked. So right. well, that, that guy got what it deserved. I'm sorry, but give it to give it up for Vince McMahon. He goes, I'll tell you what, I do the match stun everybody within a five block radius and go home. Well, you know, and it worked. I mean, it worked. I mean, this what is, can you but, say? This is part of my, um, grievance against yes. the nature boy because nature boy rick oh. flair was given the greatest like the greatest send-off in the history of the no one will yes. ever and he, and he completely fucked yes. it up because he can't yes. do he can't I deal with money totally agree with you on that totally i mean sean michaels if he would have stood in that ring and blown rick flair he could not have done a better job to get rick flair out of the business than he did fucking gave him a rolex told him everything he was doing in the match put together a classic fucking match and Rick fucked it up. Rick did all the shit that he did in TNA, bled like a pig, did all the shit that he did all along the way, and, and just completely fucked it up. And that's that's what I, I guess I'm basing it off of. 
And now Stone Cold and Ric Flair are completely different because Stone Cold has done a tremendous job of protecting his brand just beautifully yes. over the years. Yes, exactly. Just wonderfully. Especially, yes, man, especially compared to Flair. But but I guess my what I why why I'm wondering why you are so down on him because of this, but is because it's not actually a match. He's just coming on to some stupid show and he's gonna basically do the same same thing that he did with as far as being the referee. He's just gonna come in and talk some shit and and stun Owens and walk the fuck out and throw beer around and people will be hooping and hollering and having a good time in Texas. That's I, I don't I mean, I'm not all like Gaga over him coming back in in the least. I mean, I like Austin, and okay, if he's coming back and and Owens, I, I, whatever. But I don't I don't know. I just but it's not a match, so I, that's why it doesn't bother me. You but know? isn't wait a minute? Isn't this usually where you tell me this is this is usually where you step in and go? Well, somebody who actually needs that spot and needs three minutes of WrestleMania could use that to get over, like one of the younger okay. guys. Okay, isn't that totally. usually your argument in this case? Totally. Okay, now if we're going to go that route, then yes. Then totally yes, but I, I I was just wondering why you were so down on Stone Stone Cold coming back because of that. If we if we want to, yeah, I, I I'm I'm hey, I'm still down on that. Yes, I'm down for that. I mean, yeah, I, I'll definitely sacrifice Austin coming back for somebody that that needs it the 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 spotlight or whatever more for sure. Having said having said that, suddenly out of nowhere they're using Ricochet a lot more. Suddenly, I, I don't know. weeks I in a row. I can't believe it. And he had a great match. He had a tremendous match on national television on Friday night. He always does, man. I, I really don't know if when he doesn't have a bad match. All you have to do is put him in the ring. It's all you have to do. You can put him in cold. It's better if he has a rivalry. Give him a storyline. But given the shitty storylines you guys come up with, whatever. All you got to do is use him. And then they go months and months and months with him being on like their, their B-level programming and not making it anywhere. And then I'm put him on house shows. I know, I know, I know. And I'm telling you, if anybody has not gone out and and, and watched Lucha Underground, most of the people oh. I think that listen to us, I think do have, have done that. But God Almighty, please, if you haven't, go Tremendous. back and watch some Prince Puma stuff. Oh God, damn! <laughs> oh, it's just so good. It's just so good. And I think he's so much better. I think as Prince Puma than as Ricochet. That's just me. I, th- I think he he looks crisper in the ring. Not that he can look a whole lot m- more crisp than he does or his ricochet. But I just think I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm biased because I, I, that's the first time I maybe. saw him, and he's just that's a, that's a good debate though. Actually, I, th- I think if you could compare those two, obviously the way he's used in WWE is always going to be kind of like he he was used by inferior bookers and people who have no idea about the business for sure. Oh yeah, uh, and he's been able to in, in in a lot of ways he's been able to over- overcome that shit. Oh, for sure, man. Oh, he's been pushed back down way to the bottom at least once or twice. That guy's worked his way back up somehow. There's no, I just don't, I I, I don't know how you look at that guy and not see this guy should be working top of the card. I mean, you could put him in a rivalry with a ton of people, him against Seth Rollins. Holy shit. They can tear it. You can go for days and days and days with that shit, right? For sure. Him against AJ Styles would be a dream match anywhere anytime you can put them together you can put them together cold you can do anything you want to and you can put and him in he's great in tags he's he's great in anything but i love him as a single performer oh for definitely as a single performer and and two things too about him first of all you, you're getting him right now when age-wise he's probably about his peak because i think he's pushing 30 or maybe early 30s you know i i don't know but for what the, the style of wrestling he does, he's he's reaching his peak here as far as age goes. And second thing is, I think his his promos have gotten so much better, man, because he really didn't have to talk in Lucha Underground. So he he came into WWE without too much of a of, of a promo background, I think. But at least from Lucha, I don't know. I'm not sure what he did before that or whatever. But I don't. You, you probably remember his his promos were were kind of dreadful. <laughs> a lot of times when he first got there, but I think they've gotten so much better, man. So now, man, let's roll with it. Let's go. There's no excuse. Uh, it should it should happen, but obviously it's happening late in the game. Hopefully if they reset after WrestleMania, Ricochet will get his opportunity and they'll have some new set of eyes. But again, we don't have, we don't have much faith in what happens with WWE booking these days, do we? 
No. But I see, mean, the, you could. Uh, yeah, I wonder if you could do something with a uh, with a ricochet, like maybe a, a, a like you do with like a Mustafa Ali, where he kind of comes in and kind of gets a little band together and and whips everybody's ass and stuff. Would it not be believable? Would it be kind of like uh, another <laughs> another Mustafa Ali thing, basically? Uh, it's it's I, it, it drives me crazy. That shit drives me crazy. Uh, heavy metal Van Hammer is going to be inducted into the WWE Hall. Oh no, I'm sorry, Van Vader. Van Vader going into the WWE Hall of Fame. Dude, I was I, you had me there for like two <laughs> seconds. I'm like, what, what? What? Didn't you want Van Hammer to go into the into the WWE Hall of Fame? I don't know if it, the WWE Hall of Fame, maybe the garbage bag Hall of Fame or something. Hall of Shame. <laughs> Hall of Shame. Yeah. Uh, the whole, and there's been some discussion about who would induct him. Meanwhile, you did see the story that there's going to be some people that don't really get a whole induction thing at the Hall of Fame. They're thinking of changing that. Not everybody's going to get the full muy grande enchilada package. Why is that? The, uh, well, because of time. Because, oh. you know, we're worried about time. Oh, are we? Okay. Yeah, we're, we're having we're two about fucking time. nights of, 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 of WrestleMania, but we're worried about time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So that's that's uh what they've talked about several different people who would be obviously able, and I think most people have landed on Mick Foley as being the guy since uh, that's the reason that Mick Foley's ear is gone is because of that match with uh heavy metal Van Hammer. Oh sorry, I keep saying that with Big Van Vader over in Germany because uh Mick could not remember the German word for formaldehyde. That's the reason he doesn't have an ear today, folks. Uh yes. That's what, it, it, of course, it's ironic that he's going into the WWE Hall of Fame because probably the least effective or the worst years of his career were spent in WWE. He was so much better in every place that he went, including Japan, including WCW, including just about anywhere than he was in WWE. Uh, your thoughts on the big man, uh, Van Vader, finally making it to the Hall of Fame? Well, there's usually a, a few people uh, over the over the course of time that every time they say that he's – they're, they're being inducted he or she I'm, I'm like i thought they were already in and and this is one of those i was like i, I thought he was already in i didn't I, I i love van vader i don't i'm not um i didn't follow i don't follow his career and, and and everything that closely enough to obviously to know that he's he wasn't in so but i've always loved van vader he was always i love to watch him um I don't know. I, I like I said, I, I was just a little shocked that he wasn't <laughs> wasn't in already. But it's about time, as far as that goes. Um, as far as big men goes, go. I mean, anybody would say he's going to be in the list of the greatest big men the sport has ever known, right? I would think so. I would hope so. Yeah. Uh, I think. I think you know, Paul, and that was one of those a few years ago that Ric Flair said that Paul White was the biggest big man the sport has ever known, and he said that included Andre. Andre is kind of in his own category andre the giant as far as working as a big man when he was able to work and when he was not severely in pain probably in the early in the 70s and early 80s after 83 ish he was still in a massive amount of pain and by the time he ever made it to wwe or wwf at that time he was not as effective and not as good a worker as he certainly had been when he was a huge attraction you remember yeah. those times when we come into the crockett territory correct Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And the, the well, time I mean, would stop. Right. Every everything would just stop, man. It was like if you were they were. It was a huge. They really turned it into a big attraction. Unless unless Thatcher would tell stories, but he was kind of Andre's caretaker and would take him around, and they'd be two blocks away from Dorton Arena on Raleigh, and he'd say, "Boss man, stop, get beer," and they'd get like a case of beer, and he'd have it drunk in the two blocks before they went to Dorton Arena. <laughs> Andre drinking a beer. Here, here's my. This is a visual. I'm sorry, but I got to do it. <laughs> Here's Andre drinking a beer. Here you go. <laughs> Just sip. That was each can. Uh, um, but, uh, well, you know, as far another thing about Van Vader, the thing I remember too about him, um, he was the first big man that I can remember. And this might, you know, I speak for a lot of people, but I, for me, for sure, that I can remember that moved around like he did, you know, got getting on the top rope and flying around and, and, and jumping over the top rope sometimes. And, and I don't know, just flying around the ring. And it just, that, that kind of made him bigger and badder to me. It just, Oh my God, this dude's scary as hell, big as he is and, and flying too, man. So, I mean, that's just something, you know, that, that 
Paul White and and Andre, of course, couldn't do. So that I think that was um he that might have been the start of a transition period for some of these guys like a Braun Strowman and some of these guys that can get up on top ropes or I don't know Mark Calloway back in that was about oh, the same yeah. time he was kind of coming up too. So it's almost but, hard yeah. to think about it's almost hard to think about Taker as being a big man because he's also another guy who's kind of in his own category. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah he is. He Although is. when he could work, the son of a bitch could work. Holy shit! Oh my god, yeah. And and he just well, and I and I think too, their 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 physical stature, their their body shapes and and sizes. Even though they're we call them big men in quotation mark air quotes or whatever, they're each of them are kind of different big men as far as what their bodies actually are because you know Mark Calloway is kind of, you know, a, a slender guy, but he's big, he's tall, he's kind of filled out, but he's more, more slender. Andre's just a goddamn mass. You know, he's just, you know, just the Frankenstein or some shit, you know? And then, uh, I don't know, so kind of the same with Vader, but Vader, like I said, you can, he can fly around and stuff. So that, I just think there's different body styles and, and all for any people we consider big guys, you know? Um, Frank Goodish gets, gets a lot of play, even though it was a very different style. He certainly wasn't doing moonsaults or anything like that. And he was a brawling guy, but you know, Bruiser Brody was in his own way, a tremendous worker for the style that he did. He was deceiving, man. Oh, I, I never thought Bruiser Brody was that as tall as he was till I actually saw, you know, saw, saw how tall he was, read how tall he was. And I was like, wow. Cause I, he just, I don't know. But of course, you know, I've talked about this before you and well, I'm, I'm saying you, but I'm assuming you and I both never really saw him that much growing up, you know, um, until I didn't until we started having access to YouTube and that sort of thing, because it's just, I didn't really have people, no people with tapes and that sort of thing. And he just never came around to the area that, that mid Atlantic area that much. So I just didn't really see him wrestle that much. So I just didn't know he was as big as he was really. You know, it's the, that's that's part of the situation is with those big guys is they have a different style and stuff. And, you know, Bam Bam Bigelow back in the day was doing just insane yeah. shit, particularly early in his career. That was just mind blowing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I equate him and Vader a lot. I, I always growing up and, and, and stuff. I always I don't say I got them mixed up, but but I always if I thought about one, I usually thought about the other because they, they, they just kind of mirrored each other almost. It's funny because I always think of Bundy and Bigelow. And I don't know if it's because they were around. I can't think of them as being kind of not mirror images or maybe parallel lines would be better because it seems to me they were active at about the same time. And then, of course, the the King Kong Bundy that we got back in world-class championship wrestling when he broke in is very different than the one was in the WWF, but they were both used very effectively. And for, again, very, very early in his career, Bundy was doing some stuff that was really unusual for a big man. Yeah, yeah, you know, I think now that I'm thinking about it here, you brought him up. I, he kind of gets swept under the rug a little bit, don't you think, Bundy? Uh, I mean, because to an extent, and I think it's because of those later years in his career, because of pipe, a lot of people just kind of see him as a fat ass. Yeah, it's almost, it's I, almost. I'll tell you this: it's almost Babe Ruth syndrome. When you have a lot of, there are a lot of people who, you know, obviously you and I, we never saw Babe Ruth play, but among modern baseball fans who love the game of baseball. There is a pervasive narrative that Babe Ruth was just this massive fat ass who could never compete in today's game. And he was only able to compete in the game because he was playing against white folks and the athletic ability of those people when he played was not as great as it is today. I think there's a pervasive narrative out there that says that, and it doesn't acknowledge that he was, for a number of years, not only one of the best hitters in the game, but also one of the best pitchers in the game. Yeah, um... You know that, that there's probably a little bit of truth in that, and, and I and I and I, I mean a little bit as far as like being a, in a game today. I, I, you know, you can say that about any sport and go back on, in all the different eras about how they would how they would fare in in today's game of of whatever hockey, basketball, baseball, whatever. But for that time, I mean, you got to give him his due for God's sakes. I mean. Yeah, he did look like a big chubby John Goodman out there trying to play, you know, baseball, and it just kind of looks out of sorts. But 
I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Luke Gehrig, I mean, was he, what did he look like? I always thought he was kind of. I think he was wiry. He's a wiry fellow. Was he wiry? Okay. Wiry. I don't know. Well, I sent you the fucking link about David Letterman making fun of Terry Forrester back in 84. Well, him, there you go. Perfect example. <laughs> there was a, there was a major league baseball picture who paid play for the Atlanta, but he's had a huge gut easily weighed. I don't know, 275, 280. And uh, oh, yeah. David Letterman called him a big fat tub of goo because he was watching the games on TBS <laughs> back in the day. And eventually they started a bit of a Love feud it. and then they made up and Terry Forrester came on the, the late night with David Letterman show and he cooked tacos. He took, <laughs> that's that. what he did as they sort of made up. So yeah, big men in wrestling, they, they run the gamut of all that stuff. And I, I almost, it's weird when you think back about Abyss and how all the shit that Abyss went through in his career and kind of came out on the other side of that stuff. I guess, I guess he's okay now. I don't know as far as his ailments and stuff, but he would always do stuff that they never wanted him to do, right? Yeah, but it was always, it really wasn't like uh, acrobatic type stuff. Like, I don't know, maybe like more like a Vader, the Vader type stuff that I'm thinking of or the Mark. Uh, mean Mark Callis, Mark Calloway, kind of walking the tightrope stuff. And I, it's, I, I think of Abyss. I think, and, and now Abyss could move around in the ring, you know, for a big man. I'm not saying he couldn't, but I, I, when I think of Abyss, I think of more like, god dang, like thumbtacks and yeah, and all the barbed gimmicks. wire and all the gimmick, the the Cactus Jack kind of shit more than anything. And that, and that, and that, I don't know if that really has anything to do with him being a big guy, other than he can just maybe take a little more of the shit than a lot of other people can, but. Man, he took a lot of shit though. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I guess he's okay. But I, I don't know. I just never saw thought of him as like. A, but he was. I, but yeah, he's like another version of a big guy, a big guy that 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 did all the the cactus get jack gimmick shit. Um, a lot of stories this week. We, I don't know where we stand on Cody. No one really knows what's going on with Cody, and we are running out of time to make him a part of WrestleMania. I think. Raw is from Jacksonville this Monday, which is that's the latest rumor. It's fueled suspect, and I don't know. Again, I don't know why it takes Raw being in Jacksonville for him to show up on the goddamn show. Because I, I think the airlines are actually flying now. It's called having a jab. It's called a jab. <laughs> I think the terminology. But, but they're not. They're not competition. The WWE doesn't give a shit about AEW, and they're not competition, and we don't care about them, right? That yeah, last time I heard yeah, you're you, yeah yeah that's right. You are the correct. elephant doesn't hunt flies. Okay, mm. this is an elephant that is hunting the shit out of some flies right now. But if they right. go to Jacksonville, the flies are right there, so you may as well have a snack. <laughs> the fly, the flies are right there, even though they're not competing with us, and we don't care about them. But it's going to be the biggest thing ever if we can steal one of the vice presidents. But we don't care about them because we've got Saudi Arabian money that's just flowing in, flow flow, like a flow, river. Flow, flow. It's the great, like a river of shall we say blood? Maybe shall we say? Shall we say blood? A uh, lot of speculation now because I think Tony is going to book the ROH show during WrestleMania week in dallas and we still don't know uh, as far as the roh the ring of honor shit goes if they're going to have there was some there was some speculation that sinclair when they put the deal out there and said whoever wants it you're going to get the spots on our on our stations we'll go ahead and throw that in um will roh as a viable television show continue will it be a viable promotion um I, I haven't heard many people say that it makes sense for ROH to run many house shows. They didn't very smartly run house shows anyway, back when they were running house shows. Um, so speculation, can Tony book two promotions? And even though he's been promoter of the year for a couple of years straight in David Meltzer's awards, uh, I'm not sure he's even booking one. To be honest, <laughs> well, I'm not really sure. I think that's more of, I think the Bucks are booking and Kenny is booking, and for about half a second, Cody was booking until he wasn't booking, and then blah blah blah. I think Brandy was even booking there for a minute. Brandy may have as the chief Brandy officer. Tee hee, uh, tee hee hee hee. <laughs> well, since it's a, you know it's an important position at AEW, I'm sure somebody has been nominated to fill her role. Correct. You can't just leave the think. office open. You can't just not have somebody do it, right? 
Well, I mean, it, it could save him some money, you know, save him <laughs> salary each year well, by just getting rid of, of that position. As as gas prices go up uh, and, and Joe Biden kills this economy, yes, they could save money. And I know it's really taking a bite out of Tony Khan. He's the one that's suffering the most with this inflation. I'm sure it's <laughs> killing him. It's destroying him. It's very, very difficult. It's it's, it's the toughest thing possible. By the way, there's well, a... Well, well here's a, the thing about the ROH, yeah. man. I, yeah. I, you know... I, in a way, it makes it would make sense because all we do, it seems like, well, it seems like all we've done in the last few weeks, couple months or so, is talk about how saturated uh, AEW is right now. With, there's with, too many with people. There's people. too many people on there's, that roster. There, there are way too many people on that roster. Absolutely. And and if you can um, get kind of a, I don't know. I mean, if you get an ROH going on, and that it's not really an NXT per se. It was not like a developmental kind of thing. It wouldn't be that. It would just be another. Uh, it would just be ROH, just another promotion. But it would probably get the a little more recognition just because of Tony Khan having his hands in it and that sort of thing. So that would be good. So you could have some of your superstars kind of intertwine between the two. Um, so you know, if that's what he does with it, then I, that's that's fine with me. I, I'm I'm down with that as long as it, you know, like you said, as long as it he doesn't fuck it up and turn it into a WWE version of ECW or so. You know, I don't want that. I I just feel like if this was allowed to go forward, and you're booking an ROH and you're booking an AW. It's always going to be seen to me as an inferior product, ROHs. I don't see how you get out of saying that that is junior varsity and AW is varsity, right? Unless you have some sort of invasion angle and you start putting people over from ROH, and then I don't know if that's helpful to the AW brand, right? Right. Um, that's that's difficult. That And yeah, that was always the problem... Point. That was always the problem with Vince with SmackDown and Raw when he had to compete against each other because he owned everything. Is right. that we always said we're going to pitch SmackDown. SmackDown is going to be very important. But Vince always had the emotional connection to Raw. So that when SmackDown started getting a little bit better and started getting better ratings, we started snagging people off of that roster. We started stealing writers away. We started doing certain things to kind of undermine SmackDown. Now Vince is caught in hell because he has a primetime television show on Fox that's called SmackDown and he has to sometime balance that with the huge contract that he has with Universal and try to keep both sides even. And he's got people over here yelling at him, why don't we have this person? Why aren't you doing this for this show? And why aren't you doing this for this show? That's Vince's life now and Nick Khan's life too. Um, but I, I don't see how you get out of that hell of, yeah, ROH is cute, but it's not, it's not the big time. It's not Major League Baseball. It's just this cute little toy that we have over here, and it's a playground. And part of that is what plagued NXT for a while, is that it was the cool brand. Triple H was booking it in a way that got wrestling fans' attention. And then I feel like Vince got jealous of that and had to kill it. Well, yeah. Um, well, the thing about NXT was, to me, that – and, and maybe I'm Mr. Obvious here, but that, that it was talent that some of it was indie people that, that, that people already knew when they got there. But a lot of it was people, at least for me, a lot, a lot of those people I didn't know until they got to NXT. So it was just fresh people. I think that it was wrestling. It was pure wrestling fans. I think that were there, um, back in those days and, 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 and appreciating everybody for what they were and the up and comers and, and, and being there for them. Cause they knew that, you know, they were, they were up and comers and they, they, you know, they, they just appreciated them and, and, and could get behind them and, and give them the fan support like that. I, I think that's just different from, from an ROH. And when you, when you say it, all that stuff there, it makes so much sense. So, so what do you do, man? So, so let's say Tony Khan doesn't buy this. Let's say, uh, somebody else comes along and buys ROH and, and they do virtually the same thing that, that, that Tony Khan would do with it, I guess, or at least planning on doing with it, just making it an, another um, company. W would that make a difference if Tony Khan didn't own it and somebody else did, but, but yet it was there to maybe help kind of unsaturate some of these uh, 
promotions that are like, like AEW with too many people. Some of these people can do, go there. And, and some of these people that are right now kind of hanging, flapping in the wind, not really anywhere like Bray Wyatt and some of these guys that, you know, would it make a difference if somebody else owned ROH or do you think ROH is just, you know, done? Well, the, the tape library was, was the selling point to me. That was the key point of it. And that's, strategically the purchase for Tony Khan. So he would have that so that eventually if they decide to go to a streaming service, which they desperately want to do, because that is the model right now, you have thousands upon thousands of hours of content, right? You got so much stuff. Some of the stuff you and I saw in person, some of that stuff would would be available yeah. on, on some sort of, you know, whatever. And we haven't figured out what the honor club and all that other shit means, but that, that was to me the main focus and the main selling point of ROH was the tape library. Now there seems to be some sort of like, well, we, and now and CM Punk is really the problem here. I'm just going to say it right now when he gives his emotional speech about how happy he is for Tony to buy it. Well, now Tony is obligated. He can't just kill it. He can't just let it be a zombie promotion. Now CM Punk just cried. Right? You well, can't just well, go ahead. And you can't put a bullet in it and go, well, we've decided we're just going to use the tape library and you'll be able to buy some ROH shirts, but really? uh, that's going to be the end I don't think it. so. I don't think so. I think he would, you know, I I think CM Punk's fine if they just if they just put a bow on it. Just and put, put a bullet in it, in it and said that was the end of it? Yeah, that, and just as long but as wait. he had his... I thought he was just concerned with the tape library being in the hands that in the hands it needs to be in other than Vince McMahon, basically. I think how that's can, all his concern was. I don't think he gives a shit if ROH kept going or not. But know? what about ROH becoming what it was for him for the next generation? The the, the guys you better years it, right. The CM Punks of 20 years from now, who are now 18, 19, 20 years old, live live and die by the Indies. Why why are you not putting them in a ring, developing their talent, having them make house shows, learning how to work in front of a crowd? And then 20 years from now, you'll have a tape library of those people in the CM Punk, Brian Danielson mode that they were early in their careers and the Samoa Joe mode earlier and all of those great matches in front of high school audiences in Dayton, Ohio and shit like that. Okay. So uh, again, do you think it would be better if ROH were to be in somebody else's hands and they do kind of keep going with it like it's been going or do you think if Tony, since Tony Khan has it, it, it you think it's just a, an issue just for the fact that he has it and you don't think he can get two promotions over like that? The worst the worst scenario was if we continue under Sinclair's ownership. That was clearly the worst scenario. I agree. I agree with that. Yes. Maybe the second worst outcome was that if it became a part of Anthem uh, of Impact Wrestling's parent company. That would have been yeah. like the, yeah, yeah. the second worst scenario. Outside of that, let's get out of the hypothetical realm. I mean, who's who's the person that's going to be able to – if Jeff Jarrett is able to get together with Conrad Thompson and get a shit ton of money and buy the thing, what would There's that a, look like and what would it be? Um, I, I, I would give that a shot. I would, I, I would, you know, I don't know if I would hang my hat on it, but I would – I would say that, that that's that's a good start. That's a good that's a good suggestion for somebody that that I can put a little bit of trust in. I would say that and Je and and Jeff gets a lot of shit, but I think as a business person, there were some things that happened. You know, obviously the jeez, I just had the uh, thought if Jeff's first hire when he gets ROH back is to bring in Vince Russo as the head writer. Well, yeah, I'll have second thoughts on my what I just said. <laughs> then die, die, ROH, die. Yeah, quickly before you even get started. Oh, Jesus Christ, Vince Russo booking ROH. Can you imagine cheeseburger on a pole match? God no. <laughs> that's insanity. That was, that's no, what it had been though, for sure. Otherwise, there was a certain business acumen that he had, and they were running in a certain area, and they were making money. I don't know. Again if you kind of can piggyback some of that you get a piece of that, that budget from Tony, if he's able to sell it to a streaming service, whether it's HBO max or whatever HBO max and discovery looks like, or whoever you sell it to, if they can get a little portion of that for their budget and then run some house shows in some small areas, I think that would be right up Jeff Jarrett's alley if that would have happened. But you know, obviously that's not what happened. So, no. I mean, you make, you make a good point if, if that, that this was the best outcome to have Tony Khan as sort of the caretaker. 
Um, but but he's, see, I didn't realize he was actually going to do something with it, except for the, the you know, just having the library to like, to, you know, to eventually put it on his streaming thing when it, whenever that might happen. But if he is going to do something with it like that, I just, I'm with you, man. I just hope he doesn't F it up, but I think well, the, he can do something if you do it right. Well, the narrative is going to be, I think, they're going to have like a super card of honor during WrestleMania week. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now, the reaction will be bananas. The roof will be blown off of the place. Probably CM Punk and Brian Danielson will make appearances. And then Cesaro. The is, yeah, the race is on at that point. It's like, oh, well, we have to now. Look at the huge reaction that we got. Well, yeah, you got a fucking huge reaction because you had the most hardcore, crazy-ass wrestling fans in the world gathered in one place, and they saw their heroes. You're not going to be able to do that, you know, on a late September night somewhere in fucking Peoria. You, that's not going to be the case. And if you sell 600 tickets, then all of a sudden you go, uh, let's let's rethink things. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it turns into like a big-time wrestling event, you know? And that's the other thing about it. Tony could do it if he had good people around him that he could be. I, I that, Honestly, I think that's where Paul Heyman kicked ass and took names. He had the Gabe Sapolsky and the Tommy Dreamers, and he had the Tazes and the people around him who could kind of be lieutenants and kind of book stuff like that and carry out orders and people he could trust and people who he had mentored. I don't think Tony has those people around him. I think the bucks are out there for themselves and themselves only. And I think that's why you've seen FTR, you know, booked to the bottom of the fucking card and off the card, by the way, off of that last pay-per-view because the bucks that? see FTR is a threat. Well, I think they just turned babyface. Did you see this the last one? They, oh, when they... I don't want to hear this because they'll be babyface this week and they'll be heels next week. I don't want to hear well, this. Well, 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 they kicked they kick Blanchard out, so you know, I don't know. That, <laughs> oh, yeah, that they... seems like a babyface move to me. FTR fired Blanchard. Yeah, I did see that. That was interesting. Uh, and then the I guess the last thing we should end with is Dolph Ziggler, NXT champion. How about that, huh? Yeah, your boy. Your boy doesn't... doesn't uh, Stop it, uh, you know, trying to impress everybody. Those dipshits, Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon, could redeem themselves if they have a, a Cameron Grimes against Dolph Ziggler feud. If they could book That's that and have yeah. give those guys 20 minutes at one of the takeovers, don't you no. think that match would tear the world down? Yes. Uh, yes. But it won't happen. Don't even just get it out of your head. It could happen. It, it could, but it won't. It could it happen. Will not happen. Uh, there's so many matches he could have. I mean, there's, and, and that's going to be the great thing about him is you get a chance for, uh, for Breaker to have a, a match with Dolph Ziggler, and you get a chance. I mean, my God, L.A. Knight against Dolph Ziggler. Holy shit! We'll see that. Now we're talking. Um, I, that, but I don't know if they'll do that either. I don't. I don't know. But I think I, to correct me if I'm wrong here. Maybe I'm just assuming. I really haven't read into this at, at all, other than just I haven't even actually seen the NXT that he won it. I haven't gone back and watched yeah. it yet from last week. But I'm taking this as kind of a transition thing for uh, the championship to go from Breaker to somebody else and. They didn't know how to get it from Breaker to whoever because I think they're putting getting ready to push him up to the big card, right? Well, it's it makes a lot of sense again talking about how you reset after WrestleMania. If he makes a debut on Raw or makes a debut on SmackDown right after WrestleMania, that would make a lot of sense. But you know, as you and I are sitting in our cynical negative selves, the countdown is on for the WWE main roster writers to fuck up his shit, right? Oh my God! Yeah, don't I mean? Don't we just count on that for anybody that's halfway his on his level yeah. of popularity and stuff to come up? Don't we just almost count on it being effed up? Uh, we're gonna put you. In, we're gonna put a. We're gonna put you in a trucker gimmick. We're gonna be Breaker B. Breaker B <laughs> is gonna be your ring name. I call him CB Breaker. Finishing move is Breaker Breaker One Nine. That's what's gonna be. We're going to put you in a faction called the Convoy. I love the Freedom Convoy. <laughs> put him in the Convoy. We're going to have you come out to the ring in a big tractor trailer. Can you drive a tractor trailer? No. I don't care. You do now. Can we get C.W. McCall to do his, his in-ring music? Uh, uh, C.W. McCall, unfortunately, music? dead. 
not with oh. us anymore. Not, oh, okay. Not Maybe anymore. not. Maybe we can't he's, do that. He's super, super not with us anymore. <laughs> Here he comes. We got a great big convoy. Any other closing thoughts on another award-winning <laughs> edition of Katie Vick is Alive Alive? What about the White Knight? You remember the White Knight? Oh, yeah. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just thinking you said convoy. I'm thinking all these gimmicky things from back in the CB the, era. I think Rick Boggs is like a pretty good imitation of an 80s wrestler. And to me, that's kind of what they're doing with Breaker because he kind of has the tie-dye tights and shit. So... Yeah, it feels like to me like yeah. the, the natural thing for those assholes would be to put Boggs and Breaker in like some kind of '80s tag team, and just have uh, them do like all kinds of '80s moves, like the Midnight uh, Midnight Express's Vegematic and <laughs> you know the Doomsday Device. Just have them do like '80s tag team moves on people, right? Well, <laughs> well, Boogs, Boggs, whatever his name is, looks like it looks like Breaker's daddy anyway. <laughs> so if they fucking I just want to see the two of them do the double drop kick spot from the Rock and Roll Express, right? <laughs> the Frankensteiners, all that shit. I hated the NWA. It was a Southern wrestler. By the way, do that cool double drop kick spot, which I know nothing about because I hate Southern wrestling. <laughs> Remember, we hate Southern wrestling even though we're envious of it, and we don't care about AEW, and they're not the competition even though we die to sign like half of the people they sign. Well, you know, that's how it works. Jesus. I Again, I don't even want to think about how they would have fucked up Jade Cargill at this point. The WWE would have fucked up Jade Cargill six ways till Sunday. Can I just say, I have seen some pictures online of her on her Twitter and Instagram and stuff this week. Oh, my God. That, that everything about that woman right there smells money. I don't give Ooh. a shit. You can, if you can't make money with that, get the fuck out of the business. If you and, can't, and, and, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. She needs, they need to dump that TBS title. She needs to dump that. They need to get her own up into the facing Britt Baker or, or whoever yeah, for that title. I'm with you. She's, she needs to be a monster. She's gone about a year run with that title. Yeah. And then who, I, I agree who, right now. I don't know who she puts over in the end or who they're going to sign or anything like that, but she's that's, that is fucking money right now. Oh God, yeah. Oh God, yeah. I think I think they're just kind of keeping her, keeping her there. You know, keeping her with that title, keeping her in kind of in the spotlight, but not keeping her, but not putting her up on the pedestal yet. But keeping her and everybody on top of everybody's mind, kind of thing. I'm hoping that's what they're doing here with her. Of all the shit that we've criticized or I've criticized AEW about, as far as the booking and stuff, they've they pretty much nailed that. They've they've done, as far as I can tell, they ain't done a damn thing wrong with Jade Cargill. No, and I think, and you know. She didn't have much of a of a wrestling background, so I think mm -hmm. they, they're doing right by kind of working her up like they have, you know, with like the TBS title in it. But don't I don't want her to hang on that TBS title forever. I, I want her to keep on moving because I think Go she's for the big one. Yeah, man, she's 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 earned it now, man. Um, Bryant is available on Instagram and also on Twitter at Bryce Sports. Our show Twitter is at Katie Vick Alive. We'd love to hear from you at Katie Vick Alive. Also, you can get in touch with me at Britt Whitmire, B R I T T W H I T M I R E. I'll be tweeting about some really annoying March Madness shit uh, coming up pretty soon. <laughs> at B Dub for Reels on Instagram, B D U B number four R E E L Z. And if you want to support what we do, you can shop at our Amazon store, which is katievick.com. That is katievick.com. Get all the shit you need for Easter, I guess. Thanks, East Bunny. Until next time, fans, we'll see you ringside. Fans, that'll do it for this week. See you next week. And until then, so long for now.